Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Our class on the book uh, by John Pop Reclaimed. So if you don't have a copy, this is the book we're going through uh, this month, uh, Reclaimed. It's uh, by John Pop, a son of the house. Um, he wrote this book, um, and it just came out a couple of months ago. Um, I said this last week, but in case you weren't here, there are podiums falling apart. There are a few copies here. Um, if you don't have a copy or you want a copy, there are a few copies here. And then John Pop's also got um, a website that we can link you out to if you want copies of that. So um, let's go ahead and uh, pray, and then we'll uh, jump in um, so we don't have to try and rush as much. Um, pray. Uh, just quickly, we're going to recap uh, what we talked about last week. So last week, we didn't get very far. I don't know that we're going to get uh, super far this week. So the book is um, broken up into uh, three sections. And section one, which I think we're going to finish today, section one is primarily Luke 15, which is the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. So John Pop, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, preached um, on the prodigal son, so we're not going to really get into that story. If you want to hear that, I can't do it any better than he did. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to point you to the podcast or the recording of what he did. We talked about the lost sheep last week, um, so we'll just quickly recap that. In the um, introduction of the book, there is a line, I think it's the very first line of the book, where John Pop talks about a word that the Lord gave him where he said, prodigals are coming home is the phrase I heard from the Lord while in prayer. God gave me a teaching based on this phrase. I wanted to point it out because I want you to know that when you read this book in faith, when you hear the teaching from this book in faith, when you pick up this book in faith, when you give this book in faith, it's not just a good teaching that someone did because John Pop needed something to do or whatever. It is actually, it has grace from the Lord on it. Because when the Lord gives a word, there's grace attached to that word. Isaiah said that the word of the Lord will not return into him void, but the word will accomplish that which it was sent to perform. It's the word that carries the power to accomplish what the word was sent to do. So when the Lord gives a word to John Pop that says prodigals are coming home and then gives a teaching based out of that word, that word that is contained in this teaching, there's grace attached to that word to perform that word. Does that make sense? So when he says prodigals are coming home and then gives a teaching about prodigals coming home and you read this in faith, the grace to bring the prodigals home is in this teaching, in this book. So if you've got prodigals that need to come home, pick it up in faith, there's grace attached to it. It's not just a pat on the back or a slap on the behind or a, oh, that was a pick-me-up for a Tuesday. There's grace 
which grace is not just getting what you don't deserve. It is the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what you cannot do. That's what grace is. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is on this to bring prodigals home. That's what it's there for. It's actually the grace of the Lord to bring prodigals home. So if you have prodigals that need to come home, read it, not just to be encouraged. Yes, be encouraged, but read it in faith because there's grace attached to it to actually perform what it said it was going to perform. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Uh, last week we talked about the lost sheep. Um, I'm going to just quickly go through this so we can get into the lost coin. Um, in the parable, Jesus says, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? From the book, John Pop says, Rather than be satisfied with the ninety-nine that remained, he leaves the flock to search high and low for the little lost lamb. This type of abandonment does not make sense to the person who is more concerned with head counts and record keeping rather than they are the heart of the one who's gone astray. The wandering soul needs a seeking Savior. The wandering soul needs a seeking Savior. This is why Jesus came. Remember what Jesus said to Zacchaeus when he comes to Zacchaeus? He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. This is why he came. Remember what he told the Pharisees? He said, he's hanging out with sinners, he's hanging out with prostitutes, he's hanging out with drunkards. And they're like, why is your rabbi hanging out with all of these messed up, broken, disheveled people? And he says to them, listen, it's the sick who need a doctor. It is not those who are well. He came to find those who are messed up so that he can bring them to a place where they're no longer messed up. He is attracted. John Pop had a line, and I wish I could remember it. Uh, I think he quoted, it was a Presbyterian minister, um, best I can remember. But he said, it's the things that make us, I'm going to mess it up, but I'm paraphrasing. It's the things that make us want to hide the most that make him want to hug the tightest. And it is true. It is, it is those things that make us feel disgusting that make him want to run, run the hardest towards us. And that's the reason he came. Uh, I want to point out, um, it's easy to read Luke 15 and finish with the story of the prodigal son and believe that the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son are only stories about people who used to sit in these seats and then walked out those doors and don't sit in these seats anymore. But Psalm 24 says that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the inhabitants, and all those who dwell therein. Luke 15 is not just about people who used to come to church and don't come to church anymore. It's about all who are lost. All who are lost. They all belong to him. The reason they're lost is not, the reason they're lost is because they don't realize that they're supposed to be in his fold. They're lost because they are his. They haven't yet come to the realization that they're supposed to be in the fold. They all belong to him. They, none of them belong to the world. None of them belong to the devil. They all belong to him. It's not just about people who once came to church. It's not just about people who once came to church. And that's important because it changes the way you look at people. It cha if you look at people 
um, if you look at people like there's a coin flip chance whether or not they're supposed to be in the family of God, then you'll look at them with a coin flip chance. But if you look at every person you encounter with the understanding that they're the lost sheep that Christ came to hang on a tree for and that he's out there searching for them, then you look at them like they're the one that he died for and he's looking for them. Uh, Jesus goes on to say, when he found the lost sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He comes home, calls his friends, neighbors, rejoice with me for the one that the sheep that was lost I found. In the same way, more rejoicing in heaven over the one uh, sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who need no repentance. Spurgeon actually says something wild about this. He says that the shepherd has extraordinary joy in his flock through the wandering and recovery of that one sheep. If they had all kept in the fold and none of them had strayed away, he would have been glad, but there would have been a sort of tameness and sameness about his constant satisfaction with them. But the wandering sheep stirred up other emotions in his heart, and when he had found it, he experienced a new joy, a higher joy that he would have otherwise that he otherwise wouldn't have known. In other words, Spurgeon said um, it was the wandering of the sheep that actually made room for the grace of God to be revealed in a way that it couldn't have been revealed any other way. He's not celebrating the sin of the lost sheep. That would be foolishness. But what he's saying is, is essentially what Paul says in Romans 5. It was the sin that actually made room for the grace of God to be revealed. Now, Paul says in Romans 6, 1, should we keep on sinning so that grace can be revealed more? God forbid. No, we shouldn't do that. But Spurgeon says that because the sheep wandered, now a side of God's grace has been revealed that could have never been revealed before. Spurgeon actually goes on to say, angels are singing songs today that they never would have sung had a sheep never gone astray from the fold because God's grace was revealed in a way that it had never been revealed before. So that's what we talked about last week. I feel like that was a lot of review, but I wanted to get through it because it sets up the lost coin. So Jesus tells these stories sequentially. Um, Read Luke 15 all in totality. It doesn't really make sense if you break it up, but we ran out of time last week. So we go directly from the parable of the lost sheep into the parable of the lost coin, where in verse 8, Luke 15, uh, Jesus says, or what woman... Um, when Jesus sets up a parable by saying, or he's telling, uh, he's giving you the same principle, but he's giving it to you in a different way, hoping that it'll break through understanding. Does that make sense? So Jesus will say things like the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like, he's not saying the kingdom of heaven has two different options. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. And if you can't understand it that way, let me tell it to you this way. He's giving you two different viewpoints on the same, uh, he's giving you two perspectives on the same topic, hoping that one of those perspectives will break through for you to understand. So he says, or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. Can I just say, I was supposed to get through all of this last week, and uh, I didn't get through it, and now here we are on Mother's Day talking about the woman who uh, has ten silver coins and lost it, and that just dawned on me. Isn't the Lord funny, the way he does things? Maybe that's not funny to you. The Lord is just weird the way he does things. What woman, ten silver coins, loses one coin, light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully. So she does three things. She has ten coins, she loses one. 
She does three things. She lights a lamp, sweeps the house, and searches carefully until she finds it. The kingdom is always until. The kingdom is never if or maybe. The kingdom is always until. The kingdom is always leavened until, or it is the mustard seed that grows until. It is the woman who searches until, the shepherd who searches until, the father who stands on the porch until. The kingdom is always until. Don't believe, this feels preachy, but I don't care. Don't believe the lie that the kingdom is a maybe. The kingdom is always until. Isaiah prophesied that there was a virgin who was going to give birth to a son, and when he showed up, that of the increase of his government and of his peace, there would be no end. And he showed up, and his government ever since that moment has been increasing, and it has never been decreasing. The kingdom is always until. The kingdom is not a maybe. The kingdom is the most definite thing in all of creation because it is connected to a king that is the most definite thing in all of creation. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. And when she had found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin which I lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. From the book, John Pop says, Jesus wasted no time making his point clear that the heartbeat of heaven is for lost souls. It happens one day that she notices the woman that one of the coins has been misplaced. As she takes careful inventory of her treasury, it is confirmed to her that she has come up one coin short of the full collection. The full collection. Her heart is not met with panic or war or worry, but rather with diligence. I love this. I love that John Pop uses these phrases, full collection, And he says that her heart is not met with panic or worry, but rather with diligence. Remember back in the garden when the fall happens? Um, You guys know your Bible in here. Remember back in the garden when the fall happens? The the, The Lord does not show up in the garden and start wringing his hands and saying, What are we going to do now? Sin has entered into the line of man. What does the Father do? He shows up and he says, I've got an answer. And he says, from the woman is going to come a seed. And from that seed, he is going to crush the serpent's head and you're going to bruise his heel. He immediately shows up and he doesn't show up with worry or anxiety or panic. He shows up with a solution. He shows up with a solution. And in fact, the scripture says that before the foundation of the world, that Christ was crucified. Meaning that before the problem showed up, God had already foreseen the problem and provided an answer. Before the problem ever showed up. Man, I feel the Lord in here this morning. Before the problem ever showed up, God provided an answer. And before the sheep was ever strayed from the fold, before the coin was ever lost, God foresaw the problem and diligently was thinking about the answer that he was going to provide for the problem. He has already worked out the solution. He has a solution in mind for every issue. He has a solution in mind for every issue, and he's looking for someone who's willing to sit quietly long enough to wait for the answer to be given. But for those that have strayed away, he's not wringing his hands wondering if he has the ability to get them back. He's got a solution in mind, and he wants his stuff back. He wants his stuff back. Sin got in the way, and he wants his stuff back. He's missing a piece of his full, he's missing pieces of his full collection. 
silver here, it's, um, if, you've, if you've got a Bible that you can underline, you might want to underline silver. Silver in Scripture is often associated with redemption. Um, in the book of Numbers, silver is the price of redemption. So when the Lord is um, instructing um, the people of Israel to bring a price of redemption, when they're redeeming the firstborn of their flock, when they're redeeming the firstborn born in their family, the price is silver. It is not gold. They're, it's not that they don't have gold. They have gold. The Egyptians gave them gold. This is, in, um, this is uh, in the wilderness. It's not that they don't have gold. They have gold. We know that because they used part of their gold to build the tabernacle. They gave a portion of their gold as, the, as an offering to build the tabernacle. But God required silver. And throughout the text, silver is a representation of uh, redemption. And so Jesus doesn't use silver by accident here. Silver is a picture of redemption. So the silver coins tell us that he is redeeming this lost coin. He's redeeming this lost coin. Sweep here in the uh, Greek. Sweep here is to clean by sweeping. So it's not just um, uh, it's not just that things are being moved out of the way. It is in addition to things being moved out of the way, the Lord is diligently sweeping things and cleaning in the process. Um, and carefully here, which is very interesting to me, it says that uh, lights a lamp, sweeps the house, and searches carefully. The word for carefully here is diligently, but the root word is actually to take care of a person or thing. So in, in, um, in Greek... Well, in, in all language, we have a word, and then we have the root word that that word comes from. Does that make sense? So the root word gives us information about that word. It informs us how that word was formed. The root word for this Greek word is actually to take care of a person or to take care of a thing. So it's not just um, carefully or diligently. It's actually to take care of a person or to take care of a thing, specifically to take care of a person. Which is very interesting to me. The Lord is not haphazard in his searching. Um, I want to be careful. Because, um, Lord help me. I want to be careful. Because the Lord will allow you to be put in positions where you have to turn to him. But that is not his first choice. That's not his first choice. Like, um... How many of you uh, have been in church long enough that you've heard, like, uh, I prayed, Lord, if you've got to arrest them, arrest them. Or, Lord, if you've got to throw them, you know, if they've got to go to prison, throw them in prison. And, Lord, if they've got to, if they've got to end up in the drug house, let them end up in the drug house. Whatever it takes, God. The Lord, the Lord can use that. The Lord can use anything. I would submit to you that's not, that's not the Lord's plan A. That's not the Lord's plan A. He cares about their soul. Yes, he cares about their, their final destiny, first and foremost. But he cares about the person, too. He cares about the person, too. And if he can save them without them going to the drug house, he would prefer that. And if he can save them without them going to prison, he would prefer that. And if he can save them without them having to go through the 10,000 different things in between here and salvation, he would prefer that. He cares about the person. 
He cares about the person. He is not a robotic God who only has eternity in mind. Yes, he recognizes, we recognize that he sees from a different perspective and eternity is the ultimate goal. And sometimes there are things we go through and it's called mystery and we don't understand why we go through it and we submit it to, Lord, you know better than I do. But he cares about the person. He cares about the person, and I think we have to be careful that we just say, God, take them through whatever you got to take them through that they turn to you. Sometimes the father, he's a father, sometimes the father is going, yeah, but it's breaking my heart in the process that they got to go through that because he cares about the person. Because if i got to watch my kid go through that, it's going to break my heart. I can't imagine the one who molded them in their mother's womb and then breathed the breath of life into them who knew them before the foundation of the world. Okay. So he sweeps careful, sweeps the house um, and carefully searches. This is interesting. Jesus declared this from the book again. Jesus declared that he was the light of the world. The parable says that the woman uses a lamp to search by. The Holy Spirit searches out men's heart by glorifying Christ, who is the light, and restoring us redemptively back into right standing with the Father. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul's talking about his apostolic ministry. And the church's apostolic ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do you hear how many times he used the word reconciliation? The work of Christ was to reconcile us back to the Father. How could we be reconciled if we never belonged to him in the first place? We belong to him. We who have come to church? No, no, no. The world. The world belongs to him. I feel like i got to keep my hands up here. We belong to him. The world belongs to him. And Christ has come to reconcile the world back to him. Christ has come to reconcile the world back to him. That is why the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus because it is the work of Jesus on the tree that enables us to be reconciled into right relationship with the Father. The the Trinity of the Godhead is this beautiful work of submission where everyone is submitting to everyone and pointing to everyone else. Jesus comes along and the Father says in Colossians, The Father says that the fullness of the deity of the Godhead dwells in Jesus. In other words, he's got the fullness of the Godhead. In Philippians, it says he's got the name above every name. So you go, oh, he's he's the greatest. Except Jesus says the Father's greater than I. And then Jesus says the Holy Spirit's coming along and it's better that I leave because the Holy Spirit comes. And then he says, except when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to testify of me. And Jesus says, I've come to reveal the Father. And the Father says, you can't come to me unless you come through Jesus. So they're all just pointing at each other in this beautiful trinity. Why? Because together is this beautiful picture of unity, and they have come to reconcile us into that relationship. From the beginning of time, they existed in this beautiful unity, and they want to bring us back into that relationship where we were meant to be. 
to reconcile us back into that relationship. Are you alive? All right, there it is. John 1, verse 4 and 9 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. This is Jesus. This was the true light. This was the true light. Speaking of Jesus, that's capital L for light. This was the true light coming into the world that enlightens every person. Not every Christian. Every person. I know I'm hammering this home, but this is important. If you believe, how many of you have people, let me just get this out of the way. How many of you have people in your family, in your close community that you're connected with that need to be saved? Okay, so everybody in here, I'm talking to the right crowd. Okay. He lights every person who comes into the world, into the world. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you pray. It's not a maybe they're supposed to be saved. Maybe they're not supposed to be saved. He is the light that comes into the world that lights every person, not every Christian. Not every backslider, not every apostate. He's the light that lightens every person. That's what the scripture says. I don't care what the denominations say. I don't care what the certain sects say. He lights every person. That's what the apostle John said. And that's the guy that was bold enough to say, I'm the, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. I'm going with what that guy said. He's the light who lights every person. And the Holy Spirit points to that light because in that light there is life, according to John 1, 4, and 5. There is life in that light. And in that life there is reconciled relationship. John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, I quoted this a second ago, whom I will send to you from the Father. This is wild to me. Jesus has the Holy Spirit upon him that was gifted to him from the Father, but now the Holy Spirit is at the discretion of Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm going to leave, and now the Helper is going to come. He's from the Father, but now he's been put under my authority, and I have to, well, I shouldn't say under my authority. Now he's been given to me at my discretion, and I'm sending him. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. So when the parable of the lost coin says that the woman lights a lamp, sweeps the house, and searches carefully, it's important that the lamp is lit first. Because unless the lamp is lit, all the sweeping and all the searching does nothing. Because without Jesus, it's all just a bunch of extra works that leads to nothing. It's all just a bunch of extra works. We've all tried to clean up our own life on our own and figure it out on our own, and it leads to nothing. But when the Holy Spirit comes, and, and, and John Pop points out in the book that as the, good, as the parable of the Good Shepherd parallels Jesus as the Good Shepherd, so the parable of the woman with the lost coin parallels the, uh, it as a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the woman, as the Holy Spirit, comes along, lights a lamp, and points people to Jesus because only in the light of Jesus can the sweeping and the searching be done with effect. Only in the light of Jesus. Only in the light of Jesus. That's important because all of my lecturing to the friends or family or the whomever that need to be saved does nothing outside of the light of Jesus. It does nothing outside of the light of Jesus. But in the light of Jesus, it can only be fruitful. 
it can only be fruitful in the light of Jesus. It can only be fruitful in the light of Jesus. Okay. Right standing. It's not just about the lost. The searching process is from page 8 in the book. The searching process is not always a comfortable one. When Jesus discovered, oh boy, when Jesus discovered the Pharisees were using temple currency exchange to price gouge desperate people in need of animals for required sacrifices, his response was to upend tables. You remember that from the scripture? Jesus comes in and he says, you've made my house, which is supposed to be a house of prayer, a den of thieves and robbers. Remember that? Okay. Sometimes, this is John Pop again, sometimes I need to invite God to flip the tables in my heart where I have sold out to anything that robs me of his presence. The outcome is a purified temple and a consecrated heart to the Most High. Psalm 51, David says, Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me and sustain me with a willing spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to light the light, to sweep the house, to bring people back to Jesus, but it's also to find the places in me that aren't as close to Jesus as they're supposed to be. It's also to find the places in my heart that have strayed away from Jesus. I can I can love Jesus really well with part of my heart and love Jesus really poorly with another part of my heart. Or love Jesus really well with a part of my life and love him really poorly with another part of my life. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to light the light and to shine it on the parts of my heart that aren't as close to Jesus or aren't as Jesus-like as they're supposed to be. Because Romans 8, Paul says that the point of this whole thing is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, at the end of my life, I'm supposed to look like Jesus. That's a big goal, and I can't get there on my own. It only comes by the work of the Holy Spirit. It only comes by the work of the Holy Spirit. I cannot get there on my own. That would be a silly goal. That would be a silly goal. It's only by the work of the Holy Spirit, the regeneration, the renewal, the restoration of the Holy Spirit. He working in me, shining the light on the parts of my heart that need restoration. That is how I am transformed into the image of Jesus. Are we willing, this is page 8 again, it's just a little further down from that other quote. Are we willing to pray, search me, O God. The Holy Spirit will look in every nook and cranny of our inner man, leaving no door unopened and no stone unturned. The conclusion is recovery of what was lost and reconnection to the one who values us as his most prized possession. Um, The conclusion is recovery of what was lost, reconnection to the one who values us as his most prized possession. I'm reminded, John 15, the fruitfulness of the vine, of the branch, is because of the connection with the vine. It's because of connection. Um, If there's, the greater the connection, the greater the fruit. And so it's not that it's just about fruit because fruit is cool. It's not just about fruit because fruit is awesome. It's about fruit because fruit testifies of a connection. Fruit testifies of a strength of a connection. And so 
when that connection is strong, it testifies, uh, the fruit testifies to that connection. Good fruit comes from that. Jesus even says in Matthew that uh, a tree, you can judge a tree by its, a tree by its fruit. I wrote this Malachi uh, chapter 3. Uh, this isn't the tithing verse. Malachi chapter 3 says, Behold, I'm sending my messenger, and he will clear away before me. And the Lord whom you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. Who's the New Testament temple? Who's the New Testament temple? We, we are. We are the New Testament temple. Paul says, do you not know that you're, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? You're the New Testament temple. All right, I'm almost done, I promise. I'm going to get out of your way. Behold, I'm sending my messenger, and he will clear away before me. The Lord whom you are seeking, he will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. That sounds glorious. The Lord's coming to his temple. That's wonderful. How many of you have the Lord? How many of you have the Lord? How many of you have the Lord? All right, I'm just making sure you're awake. But who can endure the day of his coming? Well, it doesn't sound as glorious. And who can stand when he appears? Not as glorious. For he is like a refiner's fire. And like launderer's soap. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. Of silver. Remember what silver is? Redemption. Of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi. Really quickly. This is prophetic language. The sons of Levi are the priests of the Old Testament. They're the priests of the Old Testament. You're all kings and priests. Revelation, you're all kings and priests. Every one of us who are bought by the blood are kings and priests unto the Lord. Okay? So the Lord comes like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. He'll sit as a smelter and purifier of silver of those who are redeemed. He is refining and smelting and purifying those who are redeemed. And the sons of Levi and refine them like silver? No, like gold and silver. What is gold? Gold speaks of purity. Gold isn't just gold isn't just sanctification, redemption. Gold is purity. So those who have been redeemed, who yield to the refining of the Holy Spirit, there is a purity that is produced. There is a purity. This is prophetic language. I know it sounds weird, and maybe four people in the room get it. And if four get it, that's enough. I don't care. There is a purity that is produced for those that yield to the working of the Holy Spirit. A purity. There is a difference in showing up and going through the motions and yielding and saying, God, what in me needs changed? There's a difference. There's a difference in saying, I'm getting through the gates and make me like that one whose face shines like the sun. There's a difference because the invitation is to be like him. It is to be like him. It's a wild invitation, but that's the invitation. And the difference is for those who say, yeah, I'm redeemed, but come and purify me, O God. Come like a refiner's fire and purify me. I feel the Lord. Come and refine me. Refine that attitude. Refine that thing that rises up in me when my kids aren't acting right and I snap at them. God, refine it in me. God, burn it out of me. 
burn it out of me. If they have to act up every day between now and the end of the year, refine it in me until it's gone. Burn it out. I don't want it in there anymore because from that a purity is produced. And I'm not just silver anymore. Now there's gold. Now there's gold. Now there's gold. And refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Not so that they get a platform or so that people know their name or so that they get a megachurch, but so that they can present offerings in righteousness to the Lord. So that they can bring something to the Lord that he goes, man, I am pleased with that. I'm pleased with that. So yes, the coin is lost and the Holy Spirit is looking for that coin because it is a lost coin that belongs in the collection, but also... There are places in my life where he needs to shine the light so that he can refine them and make me like him. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the light of Jesus that shines in my heart and changes the places of me that need to be like him. Lord, we thank you that you've come to change us, not to leave us, but you love us enough to make us like you. Lord, we invite you to speak to our hearts, to reveal to us, even now, Lord, even now, Lord, those things that we know need to change. Lord, we invite you into those places. I invite you into those places in my heart, Lord, that I know need to change. Change me, oh God, to make me like you want me to be. Lord, we thank you. We invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, come, 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 Holy Spirit, come. Come and magnify the name of Jesus. Come and glorify the Son of Man in this place. Let His name be lifted high. Draw the lost, the broken, the hurting. Heal the sick, the lame, and the leper. Drive out things that don't need to be in this house, Lord. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Somebody say amen. Do what only you can do, Lord, in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.